Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. We're going to have a really cool conversation today. We're really excited. Is there something you want to say? I'm watching your face, Diane. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say our new friend, Inger Shekhozy, is here to talk to us. And um, before we kind of jump into everything, tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got into the work you're doing. I'm so excited to be here because I was just gushing. Yeah, before we started, but I am so excited to be here. How I ended up getting here is it's, I come to find out it's a story that many women have. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I had ADHD until I was in my probably late 40s, early 50s. Yeah. And I am a psychotherapist. (laughs) So I always find that really funny because when I went to school, you know, to grad school, they didn't talk about ADHD really at all. And whatever they may have said was about, you know, little white boys falling out of their chairs and it might've been a paragraph in yeah. one class. So, you know, it was really interesting when I had my son that about fifth grade, they were like, well, we would, we think he might, do you think he would let, maybe he should, cause they don't ever <laughs> want to get it out. Ms. Yeah, Colson, so can we talk they're about, not, they're not supposed <laughs> yes. to, right? And so I was like, sure. Right. Because if this will stop you guys from calling me every day, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we'll do whatever we need to do. So when they send home all those rating scales, because that's what they'll do for you. And if they ask you to have your child be tested, as I'm checking off every box, I'm like, oh, that's me. That's me. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's me. Once I started working with women with ADHD, I come to find out that that's a common story that many women find out about their ADHD after their kids because they finally get those rating scales. But I didn't do anything about my ADHD because I was too busy taking care of him. Mm -hmm. He was a black boy in a white school. As I mentioned, they called me every, I'm not kidding, almost every day. Mm -hmm. And um, at first it was interesting. They did not want to give him a diagnosis of ADHD. They actually didn't want to test him for that. They tested him for a lot of other things. And he scored gifted on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all right, isn't this exciting? Right? <laughs> That's a gifted. I had a friend who was a school psychologist who mm-hmm. said, you have to come to my house and let me read this so I can explain it to you. Right. And she said, they have not tested him for this, which they said they would. And you need to make them do it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay. And I wouldn't get out of my chair until they did it. Mm-hmm. And literally the school psychologist at some point was like, well, I have to go to a doctor's appointment. Like I have to leave. And I said, you need to call them because you're not going to make it. 
Because mm-hmm. <laughs> my friend also said, don't you get out of that chair until you get what you want. And you probably want an IEP, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least have them test. And then once they tested, they gave me the IEP instead of the 504. Because again, they were calling me every day. So as I mentioned, like taking care of him for all these years uh, in the school district, like being one of a few black kids in the school, he was seen as a discipline problem. Right. That's what no I was going to ask is, is he was evaluated for behavior issues, right? Yes. And they knew nothing. This is what was just so shocking to me. They knew nothing about ADHD because, you know, once, you know, he got diagnosed, the deep dive that we ADHD people go on, I went deep. And I had all of this knowledge. And every year I used to come with a primer about my son. Mm -hmm. And it was always so shocking to me because I was like, I'd ask how many years have you been in education? And people say five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And I was like, I got one kid. This is the one time I'm in education because I'm not an educator. How come I know more about this than you? So, so can I pause you for a minute there? Because sure. I think this is an important conversation. Because what you've said in this very short time so far is you were trained as a psychotherapist and you got virtually no education about ADHD. And then you got into the school system and discovered all of these people who've been teaching for years had no education about ADHD. Can we clarify what year that was? Just to so because it's not long, it's not like we're talking about 40 years ago. Oh. No, no. no. My son is 19 now. Okay. So we're talking in the last 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really common trope, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. This story. And we believe that everybody should have this training. And we as parents expect that the teachers and the therapists are the professionals who understand it better than we do. And it's a really big eye opener for us to realize, wow, Oftentimes, we are the most educated person in the room about these issues, particularly ADHD, particularly. And it's a shift to stop kind of blaming them for not having the education and start inviting them to become better educated. Well, and to take it a step further, because you were saying about how, you know, the story you heard in school was it's a bunch of little white boys falling out of their chairs. There's so many different flavors of this whether you're an adult, a kid, or, you know, inattentive combined. I mean, all of these sorts of things, it, there's so, so much nuance to this that we are often the most aware and educated in the room, particularly about our kids' situation. How did that play out for you? Yeah, absolutely. And part of this, you know, why this is important for me and my story is that, you know, I had to fight to get the diagnosis. I had to fight to get the IEP. I, you know, how many of these meetings was I sitting around that big, long table and it's you and Mm -hmm. uh, my husband would come (laughs) and eventually got an advocate. We eventually got an attorney. But in the beginning, it was just me. You know, I tell my husband to just sit there and look pretty because I'm going to be the one that's going to fight. And that's intimidating for most of the people I work with. They're like, they don't even know how they would approach this. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how are you able to sit there? And, you know, have that conversation and not feel like, you know, you don't know. Or when they try to gloss over you that, mm-hmm. oh, this is not it. Because I had other teachers that would just pretty much dismiss me. And I would say to them, if you're dismissing me and I'm an adult, I can imagine what you're doing to my son. Mm-hmm. And so 
it was easier to invite some people in other than others, but to know to advocate for your child, right? That this is the child that you have. And even though at home, it might be difficult for you and it might be difficult for you because you have ADHD, your Mm -hmm. RSD, uh, rejection sensitivities for it might be really heightened. Kick it in. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're talking about your child. But I feel like to, to A, do your education and B, work on your nervous system. Mm. I would say black, when you get pregnant, like it's joyous, but it's nervousness because there's so many things out there that can change the trajectory of your child's life. Mm -hmm. And then if you find out about a diagnosis of ADHD or a different diagnosis, because I hate to say it, but diagnosis is not a right, it's a privilege. You are then always your nervous system. I would say it's always like on a million because anything that's happening, you you know, you're ready to go like fight, fight, freeze or fawn. Right. So something's mm-hmm. happening. So to be able to notice how it, it affects you and to take a second and do some breathing exercises. Right. Learn some like say, proprioceptive exercises like doing wall handstands before mm, love that. is helpful or before your kid comes home when they're, you know, going to be bouncing and, you know, not wanting to do their homework, things like that. Have a toolkit for yourself to manage yourself so that then you can manage your child. You can manage what you're going to say to the teachers. You can manage yourself in these big meetings because that is how you're going to be able to be effective for everyone. And when you're more effective, you feel better Mm -hmm. and the child feels better. And the other people can, like, at some point, they're going to have to either come in with you or, you know, they're going to have to deal with you having to fight with them all the time. They don't want that either. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Whether it's the kids or the or the or the other adults. Can, can I tune back a second? Because there was something you said at the very beginning. Right. And I know you work with with people with ADHD as an as a, as an adult. And you said your son was, you know, you fought to get a diagnosis and you saw yourself in the, in the rating scales and eventually got your own diagnosis. But you said something about supporting him and advocating for him before you managed your own ADHD. So talk a little bit about that journey and, and what a difference it made when you started managing your own ADHD. So it's interesting. It did not occur to me <laughs> that if I had ADHD, maybe I should manage my ADHD first. <laughs> what just occurred to me is what, you know, what normally happens, I think for a lot of people and women, it's like, okay, my needs aside, right. I have to take care of my, you know, my kid and my family. And that's what I did. And I'll never forget when I got had a client and, you know, her son is a couple of years older than my son. And we were having these conversations because, you know, the ADHD was as we know, <laughs> follows him into adulthood. And when she was like, yes, I got my ADHD treated first. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about Ultimate it. self-care, I right? I never thought about it. And I think that that is an important point. We don't think about ourselves, putting ourselves even on the agenda. Right. Never, never occurred to me till long after this happened. And I guess the thing for me also is I did a lot of things. I, I can't imagine but I think back of all the things I did, what I decided to do was to work three part-time jobs instead of one big job. So I could go to school because they would, they would call me every day. At some point I have to pick him up most days. Right. One of us had to do right. it. So it ended up me being me. And I was like, how did you have three jobs? <laughs> I don't know what I did. And 
you know, all that movement, all that, uh, you know, the way that it just kind of worked, I did, I did feel like I was killing myself. That's really mm-hmm. how I got into coaching because I was like, I don't know how to get off this hamster wheel. I felt like it was a hamster wheel from hell. Yeah. Cause if I stop, everything will fall apart. But if I keep going, like I'm going to die, I can't keep this pace up. When I started to lose my words. And what I mean by that is I am a psychotherapist. I would go to talk and I'd have a thought in my brain. The words would be there, but they would not come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I was like, Holy crap. Do you have early onset Alzheimer's? And I remember in one of the deep dives, I think I must have looked at something for myself, women, that it could have something to do with your ADHD. That's when I went to go and get a diagnosis to be sure that it wasn't that or to figure out what it would be. And I found it interesting. It's like, oh, once I did get diagnosed, it's I don't even know if it's I was able to take care of my son better or be a better parent. It's just I felt better about myself. Mm. right because it was like oh now I know what's happening and for me it wasn't that big look back of I mean my life flashed before my eyes I think like most people everything Uh, made sense yes and it was like oh but then I was like now I know what to work on Mm -hmm. because yeah now I can do something about it but but what you just said really just really struck me is the losing the words was that ADHD or was that the stress from unmanaged ADHD? I think it was from the hormones. Ooh, your yeah. hormones I've been hearing that a lot lately. Yeah. yeah, your ADHD. And again, like I had my son a little later in life. So, um, and you know, menopause goes on, perimenopause and menopause goes on for a long time for women. And I didn't yeah. really even understand that. And I will say the stress of all of that did not help any of this, right? right? So not sleeping, you know, are we getting dinner on the table? If we are, when, <laughs> and what are we having? Uh, you know, trying to have a home that's clean, um, right. trying to have some sort of life for myself or, you know, I, I do have a partner with him, like his father. So all of three jobs were, and a yeah. complex kid. And are you yeah. kidding me? That's hard stuff. It is a lot. Yes, but I will say, I think, you know, I think for all women, but black women, especially we're used to doing hard things. It's like an expectation. It's actually, we kind of hang our hat on being busy, being, yeah. you know, we're kind of always doing all of the things we're kind of used to having labor laid at our feet. And I yeah. always say we pick it up and we eat it like potato chips. We even think it tastes good because we're used to that. We get, accol- I got accolades for these well, things. I was going to say, there's some, there's some acknowledgement for it. There's a Almost, uh, I'm losing my words. Badge of honor. <laughs> Badge of honor. Yeah. That's kind of Badge what I was looking for. And, yeah. and so we want to be busy. We want to be accomplished. We want to do, do, do. And I think it's interesting because in the world of coaching, we try to slow it down and say, okay, who are you being in the midst of all this doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the being that changes the tone of the home, that changes the environment, right? Absolutely. And when I start with that type of language, people are like, I have no idea what you're even talking about because <laughs> they're used to doing, what am I supposed to do about this? People say to you, what are you doing with your child? Right. What are mm-hmm. you doing? And I'm like, I'm doing all kinds of things or you need to do something. Do you think that I'm not doing things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do you think I'm just sitting here and things are just happening and I'm not doing anything? 
because that's not true. So you feel like you need to do more. And that's what we're taught to do more. We're not taught to take a second and stay back and go, what's happening, right? How, first off, how am I mad? My emotions at all being considered. And to be able to let your child, like, I think it's the grief too and mourning of the child that you think that you were going to have mm-hmm. or expectations that other people put on you about your child. Yeah. Like, and there's some grief in there that we don't even know that we are having and that we get to mourn. And I think that was the first thing that happened really when I got diagnosed, because it was like, if this has been this hard for you for all these years, you see how hard this is on him. And there were, you know, I think we all have regrets as moms of some stuff. It's like, I wish I had done. If I only known. Yeah. Yeah. But you can only do what you know to do at the time. When you know better, you do better. I definitely believe that one. Thank and you, learning to do better and even forgiving myself when I still don't do better, right? It didn't mean that all of a sudden I got diagnosed. It was like all of a sudden I was just gracious and, you know, was able to handle everything. It still meant that he still had ADHD. Mm-hmm. I still had ADHD. <laughs> I still had a partner. It's just like, I don't even know what's happening here. So my same family, we were at the same school. So it was, you know, baby steps to be able to manage this better and knowing that nothing's perfect. And this surely was not going to be perfect because I, you know, I don't want to condemn public schools. I, I don't, I like public schools, but I also think that model of, you know, we're only going to be in this little box and then whatever you can do in this box is the grade. And that is now how we're just going to, that's who you are, like the A or B that you get when we can be more in like project-based learning. And what did you learn? And, you know, being helpful, like why not, I heard about where it's like in other countries, you go to the board and people help you with the problem. Instead mm-hmm. of you going there going, oh my God, they sent me up here, I don't know what I'm doing. That yeah. to bring people along, it's like, I wasn't able to do that till later. Yeah, I'm hearing that. So the place I want to go probably after a break yeah. is the, you were talking about being just then and I want the presence that you need as a parent when you're in that advocate role. I want, that's the kind of the direction I want to go. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. And we're back. So you had said you want to talk about being, I was going to ask kind of related to that, like what a parent, what do you want parents to understand? So where do you want to lead with Diane? Well, I think I love the conversation we're having about being versus doing, and we all get stuck in that doing. But if we can take a minute and say, what's important about how you're showing up as a parent, as an advocate, as a support for your kid, as a, I mean, there's a, there's something in there that you really leaned into that I really want to talk a little bit more about. So about being, and yeah. so when I say being, there's people, yeah, they don't even understand what that is. Yeah, I say, who do you want to be in this relationship? Like, what would you like to see? I say if it was vice versa, how would you want that person to be, either be with you or be as a human being. And it takes people back, but it's like, think about like, maybe what did you need as a child that you weren't mm-hmm. getting? It wasn't about something that somebody was doing generally. It was about how they were going to be with you. 
And when you can take a second and think about that, that usually can have women stop and then have that, maybe the conversation I jumped over to, it's like, oh, maybe I need to be more compassionate. Maybe I need to be with myself, like I said, giving myself some self-compassion. Maybe I need to be the parent that, you know, does have some discipline, but maybe I, what about asking your child what your child needs, right? What do you need in this moment? Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't need to pull out your books right away. Maybe what you need is to take a break. And I don't need to make meaning of the fact that it took you an hour to get the books out of the backpack, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if you can be, uh, give the child a little more autonomy and be that person that's, uh, that's allowing that and not worrying about what other people think. I think your child can get the books out of the backpack a little earlier and start their work a little earlier. So that's what I mean by being. And people don't never, they don't think in these terms. I work with a lot of women who are, you know, really pretty high powered women doing a lot of different things. They're leaders everywhere they go. They're always making a lot of decisions. Mm-hmm. So the thought of taking a second and slowing down is not, you know, it's not what they're used to not in their vocabulary yeah no so giving them a space to learn to do that and Mm -hmm. seeing you know what happens because you know that's what coaching is a great experiment it's like what do you want to try try it come back and bring your findings and we'll use them you know use take what's working and get rid of the rest and try again because you keep changing too right i think that's important to know they keep changing too i you know i see coaching as as creating a space for people to have a conversation with themselves. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you describing is, is inviting people to see themselves differently, to talk with themselves differently. You were sharing before the show that you had some experience with our work several years ago, like five years ago, I guess, as you became an adult diagnosed and were managing yourself and, and working with your kid, somehow you found our world was that yeah. before you became a coach, after you became a coach? Where was that on your journey? Do you remember? You know, I don't remember because the way my ADHD rolls, nothing's in sequential order. <laughs> Nothing at all. I love that. And the yep. pan- <laughs> yeah, the pandemic has not helped with that at all. For sure. Uh, but I did come across your work, you know, in my travels of always looking for something. And I found that interesting that, you know, it wasn't about, you know, what the kid needs to do. It's about parent and parent training. Right. That's the first thing that they'll probably talk about with you. And I liked your program because it was like you were talking to me and I found it interesting. I signed up, you know, for a few freebies and then I signed up, I think, for a sanity school. Mm-hmm. And one day I'm in the Marshalls. I don't know, probably avoiding something I'm supposed to do. Right. Procrastination. <laughs> and the phone rings and I'm like, it said impact parents. I was like, who, like, who is this? I thought it was the like, troll. And it was, I think it was you. I, I don't remember. probably me because I, I used to her. make those calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's like, hi, Cyan, how are you doing? How's it going with your son? And you know my son's name and everything. And I was like, are they calling? Is this it for real? Is she actually calling me and asking me, me how I'm doing? Because no one ever did that. Mm-hmm. Right. No one ever cared about how I was doing. And I said, that was so touching. So now I'm crying in the marshals to you. <laughs> and I appreciate you taking, uh, you know, that tear field call, but taking the time out and seeing me and caring mm-hmm. about me, it meant so much to me. So when I got a chance to meet you and to be on this podcast, I was so excited because, you know, when we met 
we were with another person who said how you changed you changed their lives. Your program changed their life with their daughter who had ADHD. And it's just so important because sometimes we feel like we're out here alone on an island. Mm. And that is probably the most painful part because when you feel like it's just you and nobody understands, your friends don't understand. Mm -hmm. Their kids are doing all these wonderful things. They don't really call them, right? Um, right. Sometimes your family doesn't understand because they're expecting your kid to act a certain way. You feel like it's just you. So when you find a community or a place or people who accept you and can kind of hold that space for you. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it was invaluable. So I really, that's what I wanted to tell you before. And I just love sharing that story now. Oh, thank, you. thank you. I appreciate you. And, and, and I did do an, a podcast episode with Roxanne as well. And so we'll link oh, to that okay. in the show notes and I'll make yeah. sure you get access to it. Cause it was pretty, it was pretty beautiful. Yeah. We do need to start wrapping up this yeah. conversation. Why don't so what, we start? Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, how can people best connect with you, Ingershay? What's the best way for them to reach out? So I'm at Ingershay on all the socials. My, um, I mean, it's Ingershay.com for my website. And I have a Facebook group for Black women with ADHD. It's uh, Black women with ADHD, executives and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And it's a place where we hold space there to have those conversations again, that we can't have anywhere else. And the work that you do is predominantly with black women with ADHD. Is that correct? As a predominant, coach? predominantly, but you know, it's, it's people ask me this question all the time. It's predominantly with black women with ADHD. I have clients from all over. I have clients yeah. that are men. So, so I have yeah. different clients, yeah. but primarily that's um, my focus. And also I've started it's a nonprofit for Black ADHD professionals. So it's the ADHD uh, Black Professionals Alliance. And you can connect to that from my website. So it's a hub for all things ADHD for Black people. If you want to find someone that's going to help you, doctors, psychologists, coaches, OTs, and you want someone that looks like you, it's a place to be able to find that resource and a place for us to be able to meet, come up with some things that we like to do and I want to provide some uh, money for people to become coaches. We don't have enough black ADHD coaches and for people to get coaching because coaching's expensive. Like, let's be real. It so, is. yeah. So that's what um, that's a foundation that I'm starting and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. We'll get links to that. And here it, what I want to offer is that private coaching is expensive and it's profoundly transformational. Oh, um, yes. And that there are a lot of resources and we'll put those in the show notes as well. We'll link to the, to your organization. There are organizations out there that, that help you get a coach approach in as sort of affordable way as possible. You know, we do that at impact parents. That's why there's some training and mixed training coaching. I want to encourage people to get the help that they need in the way that they can do it and to, and to really hold the vision that there are resources available and we're happy to help people find them. Right. And I know that that's what you're doing as well. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, so what haven't we, I mean, we, we need to wrap it up, but is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to make sure we mention, or do we want to go back and just kind of button up something that we talked about earlier in I guess the only thing I always, you know, like to say at first off, ADHD is a real diagnosable condition. I know a lot of your families are going to say that's not real. I don't know what you're talking about, but it is true. It is real. And that you are not crazy and your child is not crazy. And to just take a second, and that especially if you're a parent, 
to put yourself on your own list, right? To put yourself on the list you're doing, you know, for everybody else. Because when you take care of yourself, it'll give that space to do things we're talking about and take care of everyone else. And I just think sometimes when you have a, you know, complex one or two or three, or I have people four and five complex kids, they're like, how do I do that? And even if it's a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes at night, you know, has made a world of difference for people. And I guess the last thing is finding a community of people that can see you and help you. Cause yeah, I, you know, I also have like group events too, to be able to have that for people that aren't as expensive. And there's something about the group right. process. I just want to yeah. say that's, yeah. you know, so transformative in a different way. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. I love social groups. And, you know, we've been running one since a series of groups since 2011. And we still like Diane and I are still in there leading them, even though we have this amazing team of coaches and all this, we're still leading them because we love them so much. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. You know, it's so beautiful. So last little thing, Ingersha, do you have a favorite motto or a quote that you want to leave our audience with today? They always say that the community is key because community, as I said, is healing, right? So finding a community. So just remembering that community is key. And we sat in our homes for all these, you know, all these couple of years. And, you know, a lot of things have come out of Facebook where you can find a community or find something where you are. So just community is key. Finding some people that get you. Love that. Yeah. And it's so, so true. Like I, I think part of the reason that we started impact all those years ago was because there, because it was, I couldn't, I know for me, I can't speak for you, Diane, but for me, I couldn't find a community that really felt like it clicked. And, you know, there was ADHD, but that wasn't it because I had a really complex kid. So there was ADHD, there was anxiety, there was autism, there's learning disabilities, like, and finding a place where I didn't feel so alone. Or judged or whatever. Right. was, was just huge. So, yeah, I want that for everybody listening is to feel connection and to know that you're not alone. So, Ingersha, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am so glad we hung out at the International Conference on ADHD and had a great time there. And that's led to new collaboration as professionals. And I really appreciate having you in our space and vice versa. So thank you for sharing with our audience. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun, ladies. It was great. And and I want to acknowledge, thank you for the work you're doing because, you know, there was this amazing power powerhouse group of, of women at the conference, of Black women at the conference, and bringing a new energy to this community, bringing mm-hmm. a new awareness to this community. It was it was delicious. And I know it's just the beginning. So I really want to acknowledge the work that you and a lot of your friends and colleagues are doing to begin to raise awareness differently in in communities of color and i really honor that um thank you yeah so thank you for that to those of you listening check in with yourself what are you taking away from today's episode what 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 insight did you glean as you were listening to indra talk about her journey and her experience and her work what is it that landed for you and what do you want to take forward with you into your week as you move forward and managing yourself or managing your kids or whatever combination that is for you. And thank you, uh, Ingersha, thank you. And thank you parents who are listening today and professionals that are listening today for all the work that you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, you make the difference. 
Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.